Not Quite Cool is a podcast that contains spoilers, opinions, and general nonsense. Listener discretion is advised. Dressed better is why you're thinking that. Yeah, it looks you look different. I don't know if it's the haircut or there's a different lighting. You look presentable. Um, it's got to be the haircut because that was I literally dropped ten pounds. He's got some Reed Richards going on. He does. He's like he does. In okay. the fact that your skin looks like it's stretched out, it's I feel. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. My name is Keith Brooks. Here, as always, with me, we got uh, Chad Dowdy. How you doing, Chad? Hey, yo. How you doing? I'm doing oh, good. Nice shout out right there. That's nice. That's a nice callback. What's that a callback to? Was it was, he, it's a sort of salute to Scott Hall passing away. That was Scott That's right. Hall. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I didn't see the toothpick in his mouth. Okay, if you really planned, he was just going to do the toothpick. Yeah. 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 Um, I love that little quote of him, and I'm sure we'll talk about Scott Hall by the end of it. But that uh, that dreams do come true, bad times pass, but bad guys never do, or whatever it is. Fucking yeah. great, yes. To go with. Um, and then yeah, and you heard uh, Rob Prawl goes here with us. Rob, how are you doing, sir? Got my Geritol, trying to stay young. You know, oh, it's good. That's a nice little festive Christmas cup you got. You're drinking from. Um, yeah, my cups are my music. It's all Christmas. <laughs> uh yeah so so we're here back for another exciting episode of not quite cool here to talk about a lot of uh fun stuff that we've seen and we're just gonna go ahead and start with the big one the one that we really need to be here to talk about uh one that got added to today apparently as they released an additional scene but that's matt reeves's the batman starring robert pattinson zoe kravitz colin farrell john Turturro. the list just goes on and on and on uh chad you saw the batman what did you think about the batman well you know before we get started i was gonna say it took Rob forever to watch the Batman. It did. It took him Batman forever to watch. The yeah, Batman. exactly. We wow. watched it opening night, basically. It, yeah. Rob, I think he was waiting for it to come out on HBO Max. Yes. That's what he was waiting for. That 45-day window just did not move as fast as I thought yeah. it was going to. And I said, Rob, if you don't watch Batman, you're going to get voted off the island. So <laughs> he either watched Batman or we'll have to tell as we're talking about this, if he just watched some YouTube recaps. Yeah. Absolutely. What? What? I'm of just those. not convinced he's even seen it yet. Let's see if my cliff notes actually work here. This is like that. Michael Keaton was great in the movie, guys. That's <laughs> Burgess no. Meredith was a great penguin. He was unrecognizable. <laughs> yeah, I wish we had Burgess Meredith in this movie. Oh, anyway. oh, shots across the bow. Yeah, that's not the only pirate reference tonight. I'm guessing either, but shots across the bow. Yeah, so. You know, we need to mark this date down, March 24th. It's the day that uh, mine and Keith's friendship probably will end. Probably. Uh, it sounds like it. <laughs> like the way it's going. And, and here's the deal. I it liked Batman. I liked it. Okay. But I do have a lot of problems, and I feel like that we're going to have to get into it. Okay. I'm excited. Tell me. Tell me. Uh, or do you want to hear what Rob thinks? And then Let's we'll... hear what Rob says, and then we'll really dive in. Okay. I, I enjoyed it, though. What, what did you think about the Batman? I liked the Batman. Um, there are things I loved about it. There are things I liked about it. There are things I, I think, like Chad, I, I, I question about it. But overall, I, three hours in the movie theater, I, I had a good experience. It was like, uh, it was, again, it's, it, what, the Batman movies are, I think, are things that 
inherently we look forward to. It's one of these must-see things. We got another Batman movie. That's awesome. I don't mind Batman reboots. I don't mind Batman recastings. There's just, there's something about a current Batman, which is cool. And I think we look forward to it. Um, so I enjoyed it. I, again, I, I love the fact that, you know, Pattinson has, boy, just, just stood the test of time. And then he just kind of endured, you know, and he, he, he did, what a great, I mean, he made all this money as he was so maligned as, as the vampire in Twilight. And, you know, the, the, he was so vilified with her to think that, you know, lesser people may have just quit taking yeah. their money and went home. But both of them were so good as they just kind of went to the indie world and just proved their medal again and worked on their chops and came back. So I'm thrilled for him. Um, I'm a big fan of Matt Reeves as a director. I like, I like his style. I like the way he tells stories. Um, so I, I enjoyed this movie. Um, it's sort of in thirds for me. I love the beginning of it. I literally leaned over and I, I said, uh, you know, this feels like, this feels like Godfather-esque at the beginning for me. It felt so epic and vast and dark. And it was a great setup. And then, and then, the, uh, and then the second act was, was pretty good. I, I liked it. It was all right. And then uh, the third act, it held. It was a good, it was a good movie. It was, you know, the further I get away from the movie, you know, often you, you watch a movie and then the further with a perspective, generally I tend to like things more with time. I'm not liking this movie more with time. I'm sort of liking it a little less. So I kind of want to, you know, it's strange where I want to see it again. I find the movie very silent. It's where I found like Bale and, 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 uh, and Nolan's movies very energetic and visceral and, and loud. This movie, there's not a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of talking. There's not a lot of, it's very, the atmosphere in this movie, almost more than other, any other Batman. To me, the atmosphere was a character, the city, was an absolute palpable living, breathing character, which I found, which I found very interesting. I thought he did a good job. He just didn't do a lot. He was a good Batman. I don't think we saw Bruce Wayne. I, I think we've had this discussion before too. Not a lot of Bruce Wayne in this thing. There wasn't a, there wasn't sort of a Jekyll and Hyde dichotomy between two characters. So it was a little, a little different for me. Uh, I liked the movie. Um, we'll come back around. Let's do another side. I don't want to get to what kind of bothered me yet, but I, I, I I certainly recommend this movie. This is, you know, if you, it's a good action movie. It's a good thriller. It's, um, I, I thought, I thought some things were just a little unfleshed out, um, but I like the movie. What about you? Yeah. Um, I think the movie was great. Cool. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. That's where we're going to end it. No, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I think I, the thing I, I love about Batman is that it is a character that endures reinterpretation time and time again. And I like the fact that, look, Nolan gave us a very realistic take on it. And then Reeves is giving us very hyper-realistic. Mm. It's gritty beyond gritty. And I, I like that idea. It feels like Gotham City feels like it's straight from the Arkham games. Uh, the fact that most of the movie takes place at night, the fact that it's almost always raining. Uh, I, I feel that when they wrote this script, they knew the characters better than Snyder ever did, better than Burton ever did, and, and probably better than Nolan did, even to the point where there's some dialogue choices that I think, like, for me as a Batman fan, just resonate with me. Still, it's just like, yeah, that's you get who this person is. I felt like they got who Catwoman was. They got who 
the essence of Riddler was. Um, and even the exchange between Gordon and Batman of uh, no guns, that's your thing. Something so simplistic, but it's really indicative of the relationship that those two characters have. And those that relationship was totally on display. And I loved it. The, the thing too is... When I'm looking at a Batman film, I'm looking for almost like a James Bond casting. What are you going to bring to this that I haven't seen yet? Um, You know, Timothy Dalton isn't Roger Moore. Roger Moore is cheesy in his lines. Timothy Dalton's a little more grounded. Daniel Craig doesn't have to have any cheese. And so each one of those is demarcated by the thing that makes them unique. And I think the same thing applies to the Batman. Um, And Pattinson is unstable like his batman is not well and has issues and that's cool that's interesting to me the moment where he takes the venom or whatever the fuck the ooze from secret of the ooze or whatever it is and just goes hulk on the guy that's great that they have to pull him back because he's too into it the moment that he thinks riddler knows the secret and you can see him crying because this is all coming to an end. That's great because, because it puts Bruce Wayne's mental state in a different place than it's ever been. And I think, you know, Matt Reeves has talked about this being a trilogy. I think that's the, the arc of it is him figuring out how to become Bruce Wayne in order for Batman to be something separate. And, and that's, it almost feels like the antithesis of the Nolan trilogy where it's him figuring out how to be Batman. This is the opposite side of that. How do I establish the alter ego to help in a different way? Um, but yeah, but that's my thought. So let's just hear uh, Chad shit on everything I love. What do you got, Chad? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the movie, the movie was beautiful, beautiful shots. I mean, yeah. amazing. You know, some of the shots, the, the fight scenes were all incredible. Yeah. It was awesome. I, I loved all of that. You know, I like the story too. I, you mentioned it, but I loved the relationship between Batman and Gordon. Yeah, I, I feel like that one uh, is the the most comic accurate out of all of them. Like I, I love that so much. Their relationship, how they really work together as a team, and even the cops were like, oh, "Are you with this guy?" You know, I loved all that. I love that. I thought Catwoman was perfect. Like you said, they they nailed Catwoman. The opening of this movie, and I mentioned this to Rob, the opening of this movie, up until right before it shows Batman, I thought was a perfect short. Yeah. I, I Everything up until, like, where his last line is, is you know, voiceover is like, I am vengeance, or whatever he said there. You could have ended a short, and I was like, that was perfect. Yeah. You got the, you're setting Gotham, you're seeing the, the crime, you're just hearing Batman talk about it. You didn't even have to show Batman. It was, it was awesome. So yeah. I, that's all filmmaking. I loved all the filmmaking aspect of this. You know, what I what I didn't like, you know, is his Bruce. I, I didn't like emo Bruce at all. And I get what you said of what they're trying to do or what they may be going to do with him. Yeah. But that's not the Batman I want to see or the Bruce Wayne I want to see. You know, I mentioned this with uh, like Clone Wars. I like Boba Fett. I don't really like kid Boba Fett. I don't need to see Boba Fett as a kid. I didn't like Gotham because I don't really need to see Batman as a kid. I don't really need to see emo Bruce Wayne. I want Bruce Wayne to be Bruce Wayne and Batman to be Batman. So I wasn't a fan of that. And I was not a fan of 
Jake LaMotta Penguin. I'm telling you. Oh, my gosh. If, if that's not what that hey, was, I don't know what to say. What are you yeah. doing? It's ridiculous. Unbelievable. Felt like he was doing De Niro at a young age doing the Penguin. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's what he's doing. He's doing Raging Bull for crying out loud. Yeah. But I, I thought Alfred was wasted in the movie. Wasted. Yeah. Literally I mean, almost got wasted. Andy Circuit. Yeah. And he didn't even do anything. He was yeah. barely in it. You know, he, he's not the Alfred that I'm used to. I, you know, I was not a fan. Um, I thought that uh, it was a little long. Yeah, I felt like it was like Little Lord of the Rings with five endings. It felt like at the end, let's let's go. Yeah. But th- one of the main problems that I had, though, was Batman, this is a detective story. Batman is the world's greatest detective. And I know your argument can be he's not the world's greatest detective yet. I figured it out well before. Batman figured it out. He's like, oh, Falcone is also a bat, which could also be a bird of prey. Falcone's the rat. I got it. Yeah, I knew that from the beginning, dude. I mean, come on, Batman. Yeah. You're the world's greatest detective. Your audience should not be well ahead of you by like an hour and a half. But I think that's got to be like one of the things I would say, like, I think, I don't know if you have experience writing mysteries I, i've had some experience and it's one of the challenging things about it is that you have to not make your audience feel dumb you know what i mean they have right. to have been able to figure it out where there were things about it that i totally got like i i knew the real thing was supposed to be real i got that i didn't know that it was going to be the big call to arms thing didn't get thumb drive didn't get that but that was great that that showed up but so but it's those that that mixture of you have to let the audience feel smart and feel like they can get it because you want that sort of engagement but i also recognize to the writing process of there's a reason that we see him teaming up with catwoman teaming up with gordon team like throughout the entire movie is so that he can bounce ideas off of somebody and so it serves as function so i could see maybe for the first time in a batman uh you know writing thing are you bleeding rob yeah i reached out to scratch my chin i cut my face yeah it's an action movie the podcast is an action movie i literally literally went like this i cut myself that's production value right there boys it's like is there something on my screen no it's i'm bleeding Bleeding um, on camera. I hurt myself in the I don't even know what the fuck I was talking about. I got so distracted. Because it's not like a little blood. There's more blood in this pod- There's more blood in this podcast than in Batman. I think, yeah, right he looks like he's from a Sam Raimi film. I do agree. We haven't even got to the horror movies yet. I mean, yeah. come on, Rob. I agree that Bruce Wayne was emo as fuck. There was that moment where Alfred goes to reach out his arm, and I thought Bruce Wayne was just going to go, "No, I don't do that." Like, sort of. <laughs> he was he was a Tim Burton character, and that you mean was like Kylo Ren did in uh, in the reboot. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. But what else? Uh, what, any other problems you had with it? I was going to say. Oh, you um, no. Go ahead, Rob. You know, going back to what you you compared, uh, you know, Batman to Bond, and it's what I was thinking earlier was it's almost it's almost Shakespearean in, in the way it's the storytelling. And to me, sometimes Batman feels like Hamlet when you're dealing with the father and the sins of the father, and 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 this was so dark and, and rainy. It felt like. It felt like a, a, a an adaptation of Hamlet to me at times because he was so brooding and quiet, and you, you know sometimes she almost felt like Ophelia trying to pull him out. Um, and that's why I did like that about it. What I'm, I was going to say, one of the things I didn't like, you know, sometimes Bat the Batman movies like with Burton or whatever, they feel larger than life. They're almost cartoony, comic booky. I think you can get away with certain things. 
they're not they're not worried quite as much about messing with the suspension of disbelief. When you ground a movie like this, like it did, and you and you place it to try to make it feel like where he's not powered, he's a he's a detective, he's just a little crazy, he's in a suit, he's um, when you're building a real world like that, I think you got to be careful not fucking with the suspension of disbelief. And there was a scene when Cat when he sends Catwoman into that room where everybody hangs out and is dangerous, and she's got the thing in her eye. She's speaking out loud to him. She's not trying to hide it. She is so conspicuous in what she's doing that I was like, what the fuck is she doing? She's literally talking out loud in a room where she's drawing attention to herself in a place where literally it's supposed to be life or death stakes that do not get caught. And it, it made no sense to me logically at all. And that's one of the things that, that took me out of it. Again, it's, it's a movie, I get it. But it did, if you are gonna ground your movie, yeah, you know that that kind of was like, what, what, the, what the hell is going on here? So don't slap yourself again because you're already oh, oh, death. Ble- bleeding. Yeah, fuck. Oh, oh, <laughs> you need God to trim damn. your nails, Wolverine. Oh shit! <laughs> ah, you got to a fight. Ah, fucking terrible. <laughs> and put some coffee on it. Uh, uh. <laughs> That's all I got. Man. Well, you know he's old, so he probably takes a bunch of blood thinners. So it's just probably. gushing. It was a liver spot. <laughs> And I scratched my liver spot and I'm bleeding. What it's about you? Blood thinners. I could bleed out on this thing with all the blood thinners I'm on. What about you, Chad? Did the fact that people talked out loud take you out of them? <laughs> I think the intelligent was, audience she was, at home will understand my She point. was definitely not very inconspicuous about the whole thing. Yeah, Walking yeah, in there, Keith. just yeah. like saying, yeah, I can totally hear you, Batman. Let me put my finger up to my ear as I'm Walking in this yeah. club secretly. I mean, it's not like we're watching Dick Ball for the love of God. We're watching a grounded version of Batman. This isn't zombie invasion, which was more grounded than the Batman, actually. No, it wasn't. Hey, can you guys see that? That's gross. Super gross. Thank you. Keith, did you think, I know they kind of like hit you over the head, but before they even said it, did you think that Riddler was a combination of Riddler and Hush? Before it even said it? Because yeah, what... Because they even said, like, a, a journalist that was, like, killed, his last name was Elliot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's his dad. He's he's Tommy Elliot. He's Hush. Yeah. And he looks like Hush a little bit more than he looks like the Riddler. Absolutely. And they have, like, Hush written across some of the newspapers and stuff like that. And he oh, seems okay. to be targeting political figures, but political figures that are corrupt and stuff like that. So I could totally see that idea. And I feel that they definitely use that as an influence because the idea of making a parallel between Bruce and Nigma, like seems a very, or Nash, I guess in this one, seems very strong to show that they are two sides of the same coin, you know, very Harvey Dent style, but, but that sort of notion definitely. And, and I, and I get the idea that they can say, we pulled some from long Halloween, we pulled some from ego, but it all, f- it doesn't necessarily feel like an adaptation of any of those. You know what I mean? It feels like its own thing to a degree. Um, but I love the fact that they did take Riddler into a, obviously he's very influenced by the Zodiac and, and that's awesome. Like what a smart move. I can't believe no one else has ever thought of that with all the different interpretations of Riddler throughout the years. What a brilliant yeah, that, that's the real-life comparison because that is the person that sent riddles, you know? Um, so I think that's kind of brilliant. What did you... Here's my next question. They Today, they released the clip, the five-minute scene of the Joker 
Um, what did you guys think about Barry Keoghan? Uh, I think is his name. I think it's, I thought it was Keegan. I always thought it was pronounced Keegan. Keegan. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Barry Keegan's Joker? I gotta watch. Did you? Watch it again, as he's never seen the. He I, I, saw it. It. Yeah. I, I, I saw it. It was. I saw it. It was just. I saw the thumbnail. I'm a little mixed. I'm a little got mixed feelings at all. It's just a little. It was all weird to me. It's a little. Well, it's two things. One, it's how did you feel about him in the movie as it's presented? You know, the one scene where you you can't see him and he's talking to the Riddler. I thought that was pretty cool. The fact yeah. that the two of those guys were talking. There's some, you know. You knew it was the Joker just by what he was saying, and it wasn't like in your face. Uh, So I really liked it in the movie. Yeah, me too. And I like the fact that a part of me felt that the way it appears in the movie feels a little tacked on. Um, But at the same time, I it was the the completion for me because obviously – Matt Reeves loves the fucking 60s Batman because there are so many references to the 60s Batman and that's the way you complete the 66 movie because you already have Penguin, Catwoman, Riddler, all you need is the Joker. They have the Shakespeare bust when uh, he's getting uh, Alfred gets blown up. Uh, They have the red phone shot and then Savage, Commissioner Savage is from the 60s show. So like all of these cool little components like popping up. So I, I think having the Joker in there makes sense it makes it feel like a complete homage but it also it's showing you that this is its own world leto's not our joker phoenix isn't our joker this is somebody else and i love that little interaction of these two lunatics finding each other and now they're going to be friends that that's totally arkham you know what i mean like that that's great um what you guys what do you think about it bloody beard what do you think are you watching it right now, Rob? Is that what's happening? You should watch it right now. <laughs> no, I don't. Thinking back on it. Um, I, I, fuck those. It was just it was just so strange out of context to me. It was just it was so it was just odd. It didn't feel I feel like it felt like Pattinson was behaving differently. It's only, it didn't feel like the same Batman from the rest of the movie to me. I, I don't know why I was having such a, a tough time of kind of connecting it to this movie. It, it was it was very strange. It, I, it was I it think was like, the decision for him to go ask the joker is kind of weird um but it's obviously that's a that's a long halloween ripoff just replace calendar man with this guy and i think that's probably the reason it was cut was that tangential connection of why go to this guy um we're trying to make you the detective that's kind of weird but as far as the performance of him I like it was a, a great, interesting look that we didn't see fully um, with the scarification being turned up yeah. to 11. The skin just looking fucking rough. The green hair half missing. He, he wasn't trying to be cool. It seemed like he seemed like he was literally tr- insane. So I, I'm interested to see what he would do, you know, if they bring that character back and all that stuff. There were moments of almost Hannibal Lecter to me, I guess, just for the setup of somebody. Going, oh, no doubt. You know, and uh and I like the fact that he didn't. I thought his laugh was great. I, I was for the first minute or so, like it was like, is this Joker? And then I heard his laugh. I was like, that's fucking, that's awesome. That's a great yeah. Joker laugh. Yeah. Um, and I'm a fan of Keegan. I think he's great. I was just a moment when I heard he was shooting the Joker. I was like, this is awesome. And I was a little disappointed that he wasn't in it. Uh, you know, I think just out of context, still kind of digesting this movie. I don't know, but maybe, maybe there'll be a director's cut. It'll be a longer cut. Who knows? We'll get there see. will be the like the four hour version is coming out. Yeah, it's got it. seriously. No, no, it's not a joke. I, like I mean, like they have a four-hour version. I like how definitive you're like, there will be. Don't yeah. even, don't even doubt it. <laughs> Coming. No doubt from the dowdy. 
Um, oh, but to come from that, as I say, we've heard about now um, and even beforehand spinoffs for this on HBO Max. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really am not interested in the Penguin spinoff. Oh, you know, no I'm not interested in them. We'll watch every second of it and report on it. But the other one is, I thought I heard it was more like a uh, Arkham. Yeah, so so initially there was going to be a GCPD spinoff that's now been shelved, um, and then the other one is going to be Tales of Arkham, um, which is going to feel like a haunted house, I think, anthology series. Which yeah, it, I'm all about that. Yeah, it feels like um, uh, Long Night on Silent Earth or whatever it is, the Arkham uh, Arkham a Long Night on Haunted Earth or whatever the, the comic is. I think it's going to be heavily that. And then the other one that you're most excited about, Colin Farrell doing the Penguin story, it's just going to be about him and his, you know, uh, mom opening up a pizzeria downtown Gotham. It's going to be nice. Um, I, I'm excited. I loved Farrell. Like, I couldn't even see that was Farrell, the vast majority of it. But he was also barely fucking in it. Uh, but but I didn't notice his absence. The only character whose absence I noticed was Alfred's. But I also get that like you had a lot of story that you packed in there, and in the movie, like you said, had sixteen different endings. I thought we were wrapped up when he caught the Riddler, and then there was a whole fucking other act where there was that was another character that wasn't on screen a lot too. The Riddler. I mean, he was yeah. he did he had less he had less screen time than uh, than Colin Farrell did. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, he was barely on there. So um, I, 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 I did enjoy the Riddler at the end when uh, not at the end, but when they uh, Batman found that video of his, like where he posted it and he was like, Hey guys, thanks for listening and subscribing. This has yeah. like been super cool. The plan's working. It's going to be great. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. I, I thought Paul Dano did a great job. Paul Dano is just such an interesting performer to begin with. Yeah. So he really tapped into something very, strange and uncomfortable with and and i love his boy-like explosions of anger when things aren't working and i love to me there's still a little bit of ambiguity i think it's less so but does he know or does he not know i don't think he does know but um but i love like for a moment there that that level of suspense of not knowing or you know what i mean um it was a lot of fun like i was just watching creed the other day and this is a strange comparison but there's a moment where adonis creed asks balboa hey who won the third fight um and at this point rocky knows this is apollo's kid and he goes apollo did obviously and then he just has one look to the left that makes you think does he really mean that did apollo really win or is he just telling his son that you know and that sort of ambiguity that is never addressed again but just gives this dimension of depth to what is this what does this character do if he's lying why is he lying and that sort of notion of the riddler is always a more interesting riddler to me like in the comics he knows who batman is he doesn't tell anybody because what's the point of knowing a riddle if you're going to tell everybody the answer so right. uh, and that's a very compelling guy but i think danos is a little more unstable i think everybody in this gotham is mentally unstable but um that's just my opinion um, no one should ever live in Gotham. I wanted to say too, I really did like the, the use of the city. I love the fact that it was clearly so clearly New York. They used Times Square. They used, you know, all the all these. Uh, they had Madison Square Garden. It was it was Gotham Square Garden. It was uh, yeah. even it was, even the fact that you had uh, the river walls, right? Like oh, and all that stuff. The, the ocean walls. That's New York as fuck as well. And I love that you're going back to that dirty, grungy. Um, seedy version 
of 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 a city, and that's what Gotham is. Uh, also, I I don't know. I, I just remembered a couple of days ago that in the way when they first announced this movie, they said it was going to be a period piece set in the eighties. Um, clearly, it's not now because of the internet thing, but that's the only thing that takes me out of that eighties time period is the internet because everything else felt almost timeless you know what i mean um in a way that the batman the animated series always did where it's this could take place at any point in time you know um and i love that i love that notion of it because it and something about that too also makes it feel detached from the worlds that we're occupying um and grounds it in its own yeah i i dug it and i'm glad uh chad loved it with no notes on it as well <laughs> editing this um that being said <laughs> Uh, we're all excited about the Arkham Asylum spinoff, the Penguin spinoff, and supposedly the Catwoman spinoff. But let's talk about some other stuff that's fucking cool. Uh, emphasis on that first word. I didn't see this movie, but Chad did. And it's the new A24 movie uh, entitled X. Chad, tell us all about X. I dug this one. You know, I, I told you I'm not an A24 fan. You know, in general, they're fine, but... I did like this one, but this is uh, more slashery for A24. Awesome. You know, the, it, it you could say there's some elevated stuff to it, absolutely. But it definitely uh, is more Blumhouse than A24, you know, as far as that goes, you know, now. But I feel like that uh, Jenna Ortega is in this movie, and she is the new Scream Queen. She's she's also she in Scream, is in, right? She's in Scream. Yeah. She was in... Uh, McG's uh, babysitter too, and she's going to be Wednesday Adams in the Adams the Wednesday, Wednesday series on that's, Netflix. That's awesome. So you know she's embracing it. I, I'm on board. I'm a big fan of hers. I mean, awesome. she's she's great. But there are so many uh, great characters in this movie. Um, there, the only thing that's like a negative to me is you know from the trailer, you know, there's an old couple. Yeah, the old lady is clearly wearing like old person makeup is it and i don't mean i don't mean like as a spoiler i mean like you know she's supposed to be an old lady yeah, yeah. but but the special effects they've made her you know look old and i was like oh my gosh I, it's like obvious i wish that they would have just got an old lady to play this part i think it's or that jenny girl too though. right not jenna it's uh but what i didn't realize till the movie was over was that the main character, Maya or Mia Goth, um, is also the old lady. Gotcha. And when you take that into account, based on what happens in the movie and what the movie's about, it makes, it, to me, it actually made it better. Oh, awesome. Okay. I, I actually get it, and I understand what they were going for. But I did not realize it was the same girl uh, watching it. And a couple other people that I watched the movie with, too, they didn't either. So it's not obvious that it really is the same girl but when you know it's the same girl the movie means more and it's not like a uh a time travel thing that's not what i'm trying to say it's more of the metaphor you know the message and things like that uh but it's worth checking out for sure I'm, I'm i mean they, see it tomorrow because I, I i've been wanting to i love a24 i love the blumhouse description i like porn all of those things seem to be at play there and then I, the movie, the thing that's interesting to me is they took the budget for this film and apparently shot two films. They shot yeah. a prequel in secret for wow. this movie that they hadn't even released yet. But they were so 
enamored with their own concept. And I'm like, fuck yeah, do it, man. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, and also, uh, it wasn't in mind, but I'd read something that the Stinger for some of them have the prequel trailer. Oh, that's awesome. But I don't, but I didn't quite understand if it was like maybe not in the uh, United States. Yeah. Or well, like I couldn't tell, but there is a prequel trailer that's a stinger in some of them. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait. I got to check that out. Um, but yeah, that sounds uh, royally fantastic. And that brings me to something that I want to talk about that, that Rob had seen previously that I watched just to see if it was actually good. And that is uh, Matthew Vaughn's latest comic book film, The Kingsman, uh, starring yeah. Ray Fiennes. That's not a good. What's well, a great movie. I yeah, hate everything great. Rob says. Great movie. So much fun and caught me off guard and surprised me consistently throughout the film. Chad, I, you haven't watched The Kingsman yet, have you? I have not. It's on my list, but I have not. It's great. It is just like a wonderful watch. And 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 Vaughn knows exactly what he's doing as far as being a filmmaker. If the shots are beautiful. The acting's fantastic. I feel like... Ray Fiennes realized he, they weren't going to let him play James Bond, so he's like, fuck it, I'll do it on my own. And that's what this movie is, and it's phenomenal. It's totally worth it. You should totally check it out. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good watch. Yeah. And he yeah. doesn't lose it. It's a different tone, completely different tone, yet Vaughn doesn't really, his style, he blends his style in so nicely with it. It's a, yeah, it, it's some, and there's a lot of surprises. I mean, it, it does catch you off guard. It's yeah. There's it's, a scene with his son that caught me off guard so much in the movie that I don't want to say anything, but it is yeah. so I literally had to pause and ask myself if I just saw what I thought I saw yeah. and and wonderful cameos of actors that Vaughn has worked with previously. And some I don't know if he's ever worked with show up in the movie just for brief moments. Um, a lot of fun. But that's the uh, British version of a badass. Another thing I want to talk about that Rob also saw is an American version of a badass, an Amazon Prime uh, television series entitled uh, Reacher. Reacher. Uh, Chad, have you watched Reacher? I have not. Big guy kills stuff. That's the entire plot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Rob, what did you think about Reacher? I had a ball. I had an absolute ball. It was, it was it's so funny. You know, if you, if you, I, I read some of the books back in the day, the Jack Reacher books, and, and, and they're very good. They're very entertaining. And the way he's described is in the books, he's like six foot seven, six foot eight, you know, and not just big. He is a, he is a badass fighter. He is weapons proficient to, to the nth degree. He is, a, he's brilliant. He was a military prosecutor. I mean, he literally has everything going for him. So, so, so the the beatings. He always gets himself in the worst position. Of course, he's, he, it's it's a lot like kung fu, where he's just this guy walking the earth. He's just he has no possessions. He has no home. He just, in the way the stories are told, he just has his pension wired to him at Western Union, wherever he is. He gets his pension. He sleeps in hotels. He doesn't. He literally goes from goodwill to goodwill, changing T-shirts, and he just he literally just wants to put all the bullshit behind him. And of course. Bullshit finds him because he's Jack Reacher. And um, and it's always like, I don't want to say Avengers level disasters befalling these towns, but wherever he goes, it's it's big time, big time cults or it's it, it's uh, big time drug kingpins or just unbelievable shit that just gets him in over his head. And in the Cruise movies, because Cruise is not a big guy, but it's Cruise, Cruise seems, 
a bit vulnerable. Cruz blends in. You go, well, there's a good chance Cruz can get his ass kicked, but it's Cruz, so he probably won't. Alan Richson is a big dude, you know, and he's he's not six seven, six eight. I mean, he might be, but I mean, they make him look six four. So he's a big dude. I mean, he's shredded beyond belief. But they let him play this. If he just he takes shots, he gets hit, but he doesn't stay down too long. He beats the living shit out of people, and it's so obvious. What the fun is, they put him up against such dirtbag scumbags who earn ass beatings that the ass beatings he doles out are so cathartic to watch. You're like, please, somebody beat this. Oh, 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 thank you. <laughs> it's just, and it's, it looks pretty good. I mean, I hope they got greenlit for a season two. I hope they upgrade the stunt coordinating a little bit, the fight choreography a little bit. Because it feels, I think you said this in another conversation, it feels a little USA network-esque yeah. in a way. And, um, but the but the ass kicking is just, it's great. It's and it's you see people walking into it. You're like, you really want to? Oh, bad idea. And it's it's. I thought it was just fun. Yeah. It's a fun show. You know, there you go. There's That's something funny. so simplistic about it. Like I call this yeah. dad television because I almost felt like a fanny pack growing on me while I was watching it. And That's wanted weird. To, fanny packs. That wasn't a fanny pack, Keith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, I just wanted to like eat better comment. And just be like, yeah, kick his ass. I bet I could do that, you idiot. Whatever. Like, that's the sort of watching experience it is. It's not the highest quality of writing. It's not the highest quality of action. I, I don't think uh, Hawk or um, Aquaman or whatever his name is, is super charismatic, but he gets the job done. And there's something very efficient and wonderful about like, yeah, let's just kick ass for a couple, like 30 minutes. You know what I mean? And, and so I had a fucking ball watching this like i i feel it is such a dad machismo show that when i finished watching it i had barbecue sauce all over my shirt and i wasn't even eating barbecue but that's how fucking masculine the show was and i loved it and the one chick that plays roscoe really fucking hot um so yeah i really dug it i advise everybody to watch it but that's it's green up for season two. Yeah, yeah. Get in. And I love the idea too that serialized we're going to a completely different place now. This story yeah. might not connect. That's awesome. I like that. That's I'm a big fan of that. But now we've discussed a uh, British badass. We've discussed an American badass. We've discussed a Gothamite badass. Let's now discuss a Canadian Chinese badass with the movie that proves the werewolf curse story can be epic and wonderful. That's right. Pixar's newest film, Turning Red. Chad, I know you watch Turning Red. Rob, did you watch Turning Red? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, that's right. Uh, you don't have taste. All right, Chad. Um, and that's not even because he has COVID. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, that cough could not have been better timed. Uh, <laughs> old man. Old man. In, uh... Uh, Chad, what did you think about Turning Red? Chad loved it. So I feel like Pixar has fallen down in quality a little bit. Oh my God. Oh. So, like, you know, Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Up, those are like incredible, incredible animated films. Incredibles is also Incredibles, yeah. Incredibles is good too. But, you know, we've had like Onward and Luca, and they're fine. And this one, Turning Red, is fine. They're fine. They, they're not great, they're not awesome. But this is my biggest problem with this movie. You know how they say save the, you know, save the cat is like, hey, have 
have the main character save a cat or do something nice so that you're on their side at the beginning. This girl, this is how the movie starts, Rob. She's like, hey, guys, I'm 13 now. I do what I want. Wah. If I want to punch a guy, I'll punch a guy. If I want to do a cartwheel on the street, I'll do a cartwheel on the street. Because I'm an adult. Wah. And I was like, well, I'm not on your side already. That's how the movie started. And that's the smallest bit exaggerated. Yeah, she doesn't punch a guy. She does say wow a lot. Uh, I feel that I feel that Chad, instead of turning red, is turning shill. Is DreamWorks paying you <laughs> on this movie? Is that what's happening? I well, for for the listeners at home who might not be aware of this movie, uh, Turning Red is a huge success, so you're probably aware of it. But it's about a 13 year old uh, Chinese Canadian girl named Mei Lin who is entering a new time of her life, that time that every woman can relate to, when of course. You turn into a giant red panda because your family's been cursed. So uh, the film takes place in 2002. And I feel what Pixar has done in the past couple of films is found a way to become more specific and personal with those films and branching out to a different audience. Where I feel like something like Finding Nemo is about the father's experience in a way that kids can enjoy. This is... The target is females, obviously. The target is any woman, you know, I, I imagine I haven't seen a single woman who's watched this movie not enjoy it because there's something to relate to in it on that level because it's not just about the period metaphor, but it's also about the mother-daughter relationship, becoming your own person, understanding you're not going to be the same way your family is. And I love those complicated subject matters and lessons that that disney can pull off and so and to me I, I i thought it was a blast um i even found myself cringing when they said pads but that's just because i'm a dude um but i love the fact that it went there and decided to tell that story and fucking she was a panda I, I i dug it i don't understand why you hate good things have you been hanging out with rob too much is that what's going on no i just think you know the golden age is over at pixar it's oh, over harsh harsh what a windfall uh chad gave to this and that leads us to our next film uh quick question was was encanto pixar is encanto just disney disney animation just disney Disney animation okay gotcha gotcha yeah thank you so uh chad uh watched this next one which is on netflix i believe a netflix uh original correct windfall uh chad i don't even know what windfall is about tell me all about it so it stars uh jesse plemons who is A plus in this movie, as he always is. I'm a big fan of Jesse Plymouth. Uh, Jason Siegel and uh, Lily James. Which one? I always get the two Lilies confused. Which one is in uh, Hulu's uh, Tom and Lily? Tom and Tom. Lily James. So it's the other one. It's Lily Collins then. Phil Collins. Lily, yeah, Lily Collins. So it's those three. It's really just those three. And it's basically Jason Siegel. is trying to rob their house and they come home and he is not a good robber, but they've seen him. And now he's like, okay, well, I got to tie you guys up. And he's trying to get away from them. And it's just, he's bumbling. It was very uh, Hitchcockian to me. It was kind of like uh, the trouble with Harry. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that old Hitchcock movie. It was like that funny. It's, it's funny. Um, you know, he's a bad guy, but he's, but he's really a bad guy. I mean, he's, a, he's doing something bad, but he's not really a bad guy. Jesse Plemons is basically like they say, he's like Elon Musk. He's a super rich dude or whatever. So uh, I enjoyed everything except for maybe the last, you know, fourth of the movie. Like the setup it was very funny, dark comedy. It worked 
so well, but I just don't feel like they really stuck the landing as far as that goes. But uh, it was still, it's worth a watch um, because again, all three of the actors are good, but Jesse Plymouth is just great as like an asshole rich guy. Yeah. You know? I love the sound of that cast. The movie sounds like it should be like a Dennis Leary movie from the 90s, but I totally am going to go check that out. That sounds awesome. It's popped up on Netflix today. Um, and let's go ahead and talk about another Netflix uh, film that Rob and I both saw, um, starring Ryan Reynolds, Jennifer Garner, and Mark Ruffalo. This in uh, this uh, non-official sequel to 13 Going on 30 called The Adam Project, uh, also featuring Zoe Saldana. Uh, Rob, what did you think about The Adam Project? I enjoyed it. It was nice. I mean, it's It's... I, I know I was talking about the other day, but it felt like it's you know, Netflix makes a lot of movies. They don't always feel like they're worthy of a cinematic experience. They don't always necessarily feel like this and extraction to me are the two that really felt like, oh, shit, I could have seen this in the theater and I would have had a good time and pleasantly surprised. I thought it was well made. I thought it was well written. It may, got a, it may have gotten a little bit long, but I'm nitpicking at this point. Uh, I thought the casting was great. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, again, you know, I say doing a great Ryan Reynolds. That's not an insult. He's just, again, it's, he, he fits himself into every story. Uh, always enjoyable. Really a great casting. I know, Keith, we talked about this, of the kid yeah. who plays Ryan Reynolds at a younger age. I'm not giving anything away, though. We, we say spoilers here. Um, it's a story about a man from the future who travels into the past to save the future, and he hooks up with his former self to try to solve a, solve a problem. And um, the kid who plays Ryan Reynolds at a young age is very, very good. And I believe has a long career ahead of him. And it was, again, well cast, littered with some of your favorite uh, superhero characters. The past, you got the Hulk. You've got, uh, you got Guardians of the Galaxy in there. You've got... Uh, Electro. You got Electra from uh, the other universe. Um, yeah, you know, it's got, there's a lot of good people putting in good work. Um, enjoy the feel of it. Throwback to sort of... It's very Spielbergian in a way. Um, it, it, it felt like J.J. Abrams, Spielberg um, had a good feel to it. It's a, it's a good watch. It's a good watch. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed this movie. It was fun from the beginning of the film. Like yeah. the minute you see this Brian Reynolds kid, you just can't help but remark how great of a job he is doing as a younger Ryan Reynolds. He's just so on fire with that performance and and everything else holds up to that as well and it, it it's such a fun family friendly fantasy that's in the vein of something like flight of the navigator it just feels so special and and childlike and does have like an amblin feel to it and i just i, I loved it i thought it was extremely uh wonderful and delightful like I, I i just had a really great time watching it and the action's great uh the comedy's great zoe saldana's wonderful everything across the board i just really dug this movie and it has some nice sentimental moments i even found myself getting choked up near the end when there's sort of a resolution between two characters it really got to me so uh yeah i advise everybody to watch the adam project check it out it's totally worth watching uh and then uh, the next one let's talk about is something that I watched, a television series. I don't think either one of you guys watched it yet, but it's on Amazon Prime as well. It's an animated series. The Boys presents Diabolical. Uh, it's uh, eight episodes, very short. Each one's like 10, 15 minutes. Um, and they're all in different styles. So it almost feels like Star Wars Visions, but mm -hmm. for the boys' universe. Um, even some going straight for the comics, where they, um, in the original comics, Huey, uh, played by um, 
what's his name? A uh, Quaid. Oh, Jack that's uh, what's his name? Uh, Jack Quaid plays him in the Quaid, yeah. action yeah. series. Um, but Huey in the comics was originally based on Simon Pegg, and they have Simon Pegg actually doing the voice for Huey in one of the cartoons. And nice. the, yeah, and the animation style changes. There's a, a an episode where a young, I think, transgendered boy uh, takes Compound V and his shit comes to life or her shit comes to life and start becomes her best friend um, with superpowers. Yeah, no, you, you heard exactly right. And this episode's written by Aquafina. Uh, and it's you say superpowers or pooper powers? Oh God! Well, that's been all. Hey, show, try guys. the veal, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be here all night. Uh, I don't think you should say try the veal after you say. Is pooper. this thing on? Is this thing on? <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, no, it's not on. Actually, unplugged. Anyway, but I think. Uh, and then there's also a really touching episode written by Andy Samberg. Uh, to me, the show it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's not Pixar level animation or. or <laughs> Quality of writing. Uh, there's nobody turning into werewolf, but it's if you like the boys' world, this is a little darker and a little dirtier than that. But it's a nice little, um, I don't know, intro into some of the more violent things that they could do. Some really fun stuff going throughout the entire thing. Um, and then uh, let's talk about another television show that I hear has some violent and funny moments. I didn't watch this, but uh, Chad did. Uh, it's a new uh, pirating show that I believe is rated R. Uh, our flag means death. Chad, tell me all about our flag means death. Yeah, so the final two episodes dropped today, so I was able to finish the series and i definitely can't recommend this enough it's taika watiti we talked about it on the podcast before you know he's he's blackbeard yeah. oh. and um one of the guys that's in uh what we do in the shadows is the main character uh reese darby i'm yeah. not sure like if i'm pronouncing that right but he's excellent as well um taika doesn't show up until maybe like the fourth episode because he's kind of like you know blackbeard the thing that's over the whole thing and they're talking about him and stuff so when he shows up and it's him it's great but it is so funny and it is so uh surprisingly heartfelt and i should say i shouldn't say surprisingly because taika could definitely do heartfelt stuff but you know the gist of it is is uh the main character is just this rich guy and he decides he wants to be a pirate so he leaves his family and he's you know the captain of a pirate ship but he's totally inept at it he doesn't want to kill anybody he doesn't want to pillage anything he de- he wants to he likes the idea of a pirate with actually out having to do any of the pirate stuff so then of course comedy ensues but another like piece that makes this funny is that it's um very uh anachronistic with some of the stuff it's like a lot of the some of the characters are talking like it's today like he said yeah when i saw blackberry the other day he was all like i'm gonna kill you and i was all like what you're gonna kill me no way dude like all that stuff is so funny when they talk about stuff from the current day, you know, the way they're talking and stuff. But I would say, check this out. It's definitely worth it. It's on HBO Max. And um, I haven't heard if there's going to be a season two or not, but I, I definitely hope there is. I'm so excited. I love that uh, that Reese guy. He's on, I guess it's the reboot of X-Files or the, the return of X-Files. And he's only on like one episode, but it's, still is the best part of that return thing and taika watiti obviously is fantastic um but speaking of fantastic things uh one thing that i watched on disney plus and i think it's also on hbo max due to some weird uh legal thing uh is west side story directed by steven spielberg this uh remake 
yeah, the remake with a script by uh, Tony Kushner. Um, uh, Stephen Sondheim was on set for the entirety of the film right before he passed. Uh, wow, this movie is beautiful. It is one of the prettiest things I've ever seen in my life. It's like Steven Spielberg literally wanted to make every shot a hero shot, it feels like. I wow. think the... Uh, you know, most of the cast, I think, are fine. I feel like Ansel Englehart or whatever his name is, uh, Feinstein, whatever. He is a little dry for me. Um, but the chick that plays uh, Anita, oh, my God. She is going to win all of the awards. She is miraculous in this movie. Um, for that alone, I, I think it's beautiful. I think... I hold Robert Wise, who directed the original, as one of my favorite directors of all time. He's incredible in everything he does. The Haunting is one of my favorite movies ever. And that original movie is so well shot, but problematic due to the brown face and stuff like that. This new one improves the script, gives it historical context, gives some moments a deeper significance and meaning and doesn't shy away from giving them a brutal edge, but also has a lot of authentic representation. And so, yeah, I just think it's wonderful and it's beautifully shot. Um, it's not trying to be the original uh, West Side Story. It's trying to be its own thing. And, and I think it does a great job doing that. Um, but uh, the last film we'll talk about before we get to trailers is something else that's trying to do its own thing. I think Chad and I both saw this. It's a Shutter exclusive directed by a family. Um, and it's a strange story about family as well. It's called Hellbender. Uh, is it called Hellbender? Yeah, Hellbender. Yeah. Uh, Chad, what did you think about Hellbender? You know, I feel bad because I wanted to like this more. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a little slow. And, you know, the acting is iffy, you know, but I feel bad because it's just a family that wanted to make a movie. And that's what they did. It's the yeah. mom, the dad and the two daughters. And they're basically the only characters in the movie. I mean, there's some other, you know, here and there. So, but it's, so, wait, yeah. so, it's, wait, so it's not a movie about a mom and a family that made a movie. It's really a family made a movie. And this is the movie. Yes. And they made it during COVID times. They just said, let's okay. make a movie. And they, oh, okay. you know, the main character is the mom and the daughter, and they play the mom and the daughter. But the dad's in it, and he's not playing the dad. The other daughter is like a friend, so it's not they're not playing themselves. But it's it's like a, a witch movie. But I mean, I kind of like a lot of the ideas, yeah, you know, with what they were playing with and the concept. I, I like a lot of that. I just felt like that. Yeah, it, it was slow in parts. It could have been tightened up a little bit. Um, and then again, the acting wasn't the greatest in some parts, but this this one's tough because, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate what they're doing for sure. Yeah, I, I think th this family also I mean, they make movies together all the time. They also did a movie called The Deeper You Dig that I liked a lot. That was a that was a fun one. And it's, it's low budget. And you can tell I didn't know that it was a covid production until afterwards. But then you're piecing it together like, yeah, that makes sense. All these things feel kind of compartmentalized. Um, but it's got an interesting lore. It's got an interesting uh, mythos to it. Uh, I, I do agree the performances aren't necessarily the strongest, but I also don't think they're the weakest. I think it deals mostly, the story is about um, a young girl is coming of age and she is going to be a hellbender, which is like a witch plus, right? Um, 
but but even that has a mythos to it that I don't think I can give away because that, that takes away some of the story. But uh, she's being raised by a hellbender. She will be a hellbender, that sort of thing. Um, and, and so it deals with the idea of puberty. It deals with the idea of maturation. It deals strongly with the idea of we replace our elders. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I guess a lot of male-dominated literature deals with the idea that you will one day become the man of the house and you will replace the, the position of your father. This deals with that from a maternal and feminine aspect, <clears throat> which I think is very interesting and, and makes for a weird story that I've never seen before. And there's some weird psychedelic sort of stuff. The whole thing that unlocks the mystery, she accidentally eats a living creature. And that's what fucks everything up in her life. And that's a cool little place to go to. I, I, I just think um, it, it, it's not the best movie, but not the worst movie, but definitely an interesting movie. And I'm glad I watched it. That initial shot of the fucking hellbender dying was the coolest thing I've ever seen when she lights up like a rocket and goes. Yeah, that was cool. And even their, their band stuff. I normally hate in movies when they have a band, the actors do. The songs always sound terrible. Their music was pretty good. Like, I like their music in the movie. I like I like how they look different, too, every time. You know, like, they're, the way their band looked, you know, their Makeup outfits and, and stuff. stuff. Like yeah. Especially when, in the storyline-wise, they are just doing it at home for themselves. But they're still dressed to the nines as this yeah. band. I thought that was, that was pretty cool or whatever. And it's it kind of reminded me a little bit of... Uh, like uh, Star by the Star Wars, like the Sith, how there's a master and apprentice, always, yeah. always I, two master and apprentice. But but that's in that same dynamic is a part of it too. You have to replace me. Yep, so exactly. The motivation of the mother becomes very interesting there, and then how magic comes. I think they did a great job with the mythos. I just don't know if the execution lives up to how good the story. Exactly. Is. Like um, I said, the concept was super cool. Mm -hmm. And it's also, they do a lot of low budget stuff. There's a lot of violence in the movie, but you don't ever see it. It's all like off screen. Um, so like the dad, for example, when he uh, dies, you don't see it. But um, the dad in real life, not the dad in the film, whatever. Um, but yeah, I enjoy it. But that's that's all the movies we got for now, except for we're going to do two trailers. A bunch wait, of trailers. Let me start something real fast too. I uh, just kind of out of the blue a couple of days ago, uh, started watching a show on Hulu just because it was short. And Amy Schumer, you know, again, I know she's pretty divisive, but you like her, like her or not. I think she's pretty funny. She's got a new show. They dropped all the episodes on Hulu called Life and Beth. Um, it's a half hour. It's one. It's a single camera uh, half hour. About a girl going through a rough time in life. Schumer plays the part. She writes, produces. She directed the first episode. It's so raw and, and fucking funny. And, and yet very moving and touching and so well acted and cast. I... We zipped through three episodes right from. I couldn't believe how much I was enjoying this. I don't know, right place, right time, whatever it was, but I think Chad, you will dig it. It is so raw. The writing, it it, it feels like it was well written and then it was well improvised and well. It was. It just feels good and it's not. Everybody's so grounded and kind of gets where they are and is and is a bit self. It's it's really really good. So if you get a chance, it's short. It's only half hour episodes. Life and Beth. I think all ten episodes drop. Um, it's good. I mean, it's, it's what did you say it is? What service? Hulu. Hulu. Okay. You know, I think Rob doesn't realize that uh, we actually text beforehand what we've actually seen, so that we kind of have like, I like an idea, or a format. I like the improvisational feel of the podcast. He, did, he didn't watch it 
just before he got on the podcast. He said days, days ago. ago. Days ago. Yeah. And if you want to surprise me, I like me, to watch um, you guys text me go, eh, I was going to surprise him. <laughs> if you want to surprise me, I'm surprised most of the time when you show up. So, like, you've already got one built in there. I'm surprised when he said, yeah, we're going to podcast tomorrow. I'm like, really? Wow. I like to set the bar real low and then step over. It doesn't hurt my hip. Nice. Yeah, be careful. But when you're stepping over, I can see how bloody your face is from scratching. Oh God, I gotta kill my own, hurt myself again. Um, but that's the all, all the movies. Apparently, unless Rob has anything else he wants to. What else have I watched? Okay, cool. Uh, but we are going to talk about two trailers that we saw. Um, so cue that awesome trailer music. All right, dope trailers. Yeah. We got trailers. We got lots and lots. That's of not the awesome trailer music. Well, Bill Fest, before we get into this, do you want to reveal any like deep dark secrets or anything before we go any further? You know, I know we didn't text about that, but just making sure <laughs> nothing like dark, <laughs> you know, just deep secrets, not dark. Yeah, nothing dark. <laughs> We're only going to talk about two trailers this week. Uh, both are Disney properties, just to ensure that we get back in their good graces from uh, Chad's scathing review of Turning Red. Uh, the first one that we're going to talk about is a Star Wars property uh, for the upcoming Disney Plus series starring Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Chad, what do you think about the trailer for Kenobi? Yeah, I'm ready to see this. You know, Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's awesome. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of the prequels. I like them. It's still Star Wars, but it was cool. You know, I was kind of back in the prequels and then it hits the Duel of the Fates music, which is maybe the best part, you know, in all the prequels anyway. So, they kind of know what they're doing, you know, with that. You got the Inquisitor. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board for this. I'm surprised though, and it might just be because we're, you know, we see stuff on you know social media or YouTube or whatever. I'm surprised they didn't show Vader or have like an obvious him breathing. Like I felt like maybe when I watched it a couple of times, I was like, mm, were they trying to do a little bit where it sounded like that? But it wasn't obvious. And I'm just, I mean, maybe there'll be a second trailer, but I'm surprised they didn't show hayden or vader or at least the breathing with obi-wan kenobi because that's what it's about at the end though i thought there was a little bit of the breath it it, it was it was a little bit but it wasn't what i mean is it wasn't like obvious yeah yes it was like you got to really like listen and it's was that what it was or whatever so i was just surprised they didn't have that but still let's go let's well i'm ready for this for sure I'll one up i'll one up chat here i hated the prequels i won't i can't i don't even think i watched the third prequel Yet I am. I can't wait for this because Ewan McGregor's awesome. Um, it's still a Star Wars property. I like. I, I like who is handling the Disney Plus Star Wars properties right now. Say what you want. Yeah, Boba Fett was a bit divisive. Don't give. Still fun. I don't give a shit. Um, this looks. This looks dark. It looks edgy. It looks moody. It looks. And again, it's not a lot of the lore I'm familiar with. I don't know anything about the. Uh, is it the Inquisitors? Is that what they're called? I, mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Um, but it looked awesome. I mean, the special effects need a little work. The shot of the ship flying towards the Inquisitors thing looked a little bit like the beginning of Zombie Invasion when the spaceship was flying to Earth. It had the same type of bleed. Um, so, but I, I digress. I'm sure it'll look fine. Uh, in, when is it coming out? May? Uh, yeah, May 25th. I yeah. think. It looks Amber. dark. It looks great. It looks like a, it's, it's going to be something, yeah. And again, I think we've we this has been rewritten forever. This this was announced years ago as a movie, as it was just a gazillion different things. Enough already. Come on, get it out. 
Yeah. Go. Chop, chop. To me, uh, you know, I like Star Wars. I didn't necessarily grow up with Star Wars, but I really fell in love with the properties afterwards. And my favorite characters, I'm just going to list them. This is not the particular order, but but these are my favorite Star Wars characters. Cad Bane, who we just saw in live action, Darth Maul, Darth Vader, and the fucking Inquisitors. And here we fucking go. Because you've already given me Cad Bane. Darth Vader's going to show up in this. There's still a chance Darth Maul might show up in this, and the Inquisitors are right fucking there. Even if Maul doesn't show up, I'm totally fine with that because they did an amazing send-off to him and Rebels, and all of that's perfect. But to see the Inquisitors and to know they're going to go up against Obi-Wan Kenobi and trying to find out what that story is in between and why in apparently 18 years he ages 96, I'm very excited <laughs> to <laughs> how all of that plays out plus i think ewan mcgregor is probably the single most charming motherfucker on the planet right like i could watch him do anything and be completely satisfied with it so i i'm here for it all and what a story that it's the other version of of uh lone wolf and cub right like it's the other version of that i have to protect this child but from afar and joel edgerton yeah this is this yeah. is that one chick from the cult. Yeah, this looks great. I'm, I'm totally on board. I'm so glad he's back. Yeah, I can't wait. Bring it. Bring it. <clears throat> that brings us to our, our second uh, trailer, another Disney Plus Disney property. But this time we're going to the Marvel side of it for the, the, the series Miss Marvel. Chad, what did you think about the Miss Marvel trailer? You know, con contrasting to the most of the other Marvel <laughs> Disney Plus shows, this one looks like fun and light. Now, uh, you know, some other stuff might happen, you know, whatever, but it just looks like a good time. It, you know, it looks like Scott Pilgrim, frankly, is what it looked like to me. A lot of Scott Pilgrim vibes. Uh, I love the weekend song. You know, yeah. the unlike Turning Red, the lead in this one in the trailer to me was so endearing. Like, I immediately fell in love with her in the trailer. Like, I'm rooting for her to win. I mean, and even she's a little smart aleck in the in the trailer too. But it's still like she just was so endearing to me that yeah, I'm yeah yeah of, of course I'm gonna we're gonna watch it or whatever. It's a Disney Plus show. I'm not like that big of a fan, even though it can be comics accurate of uh, one of Carol Danvers' costumes where she's wearing the helmet, yeah. the Cree you know kind of thing. It looks that looks a little cartoony to me. And Miss Marvel never really looked that way anyway, as far as you know. Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris. <laughs> What's Vice her President, name? As far as yeah. The, what is Kamala her name? Khan. Kamala. Yeah. Kamala, Kamala Khan. Khan. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, she didn't really have that. So I, I just don't know how that's going to play. I don't know if maybe that's a dream or if she does have that or whatever. That's the only so. thing that I was kind of not like, really didn't like that much. Yeah. But otherwise, it just looks like it looks like a fun time. That's, yeah, I agree completely. Here's oh, something that the, the listeners at home might not know. Sort of the way that Ebenezer Scrooge and the Grinch are repulsed by generosity and the Wicked Witch is repulsed by kindness, Rob Prago is typically going to be for a reason. There you go. Yeah, is typically repulsed by youth and fun. <laughs> Rob, what did you, let's find out if this still holds true, what did you think about the trailer for Miss Marvel? Get off my lawn, you yeah. fucking kids. Um, <laughs> look, yes, everything Chad said is right. It feels like Scott Pilgrim. It, it's, it seems cute and it seems fun. I like the whole thing. I have no interest in seeing this character mixed with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe whatsoever. <laughs> ever. Will I watch it? 
Yeah. Do I, I literally, I, it's, it's not even as interesting enough as the shows that like the runaways on Hulu to me, where there was at least a bit of an edge. And I thought, maybe that, I, what the hell can they possibly do? I don't want to see her chasing Miss Marvel and the Marvels around the fucking Marvel movie. Oh my God. I have literally no, I, I'm going to watch this to see who in Atlanta is in the movie. I know some people who shot on it. It's going to be fun. And again, I'll probably reluctantly uh, off of my anger and I'll be like, oh, is, is that? I, ugh, fuck me, man. I just, the whole thing just seems like you're just, all they care about is the young, is, is the young Avengers. It's all they give a shit about. And that's fine, but just don't throw a bunch of, I don't want to play in the goddamn sandbox. Okay, I just want to play the sandbox. I don't think, care. I love the fact that Rob is upset that this superhero show doesn't appeal <laughs> to the 65-year-olds. <laughs> Literally, the way I met Rob was we Where's were on the a, shoot, a shoot for a terrible movie, and I was playing guitar to cheer up some people, and his first words were like, who's over there being happy? Cut that shit out! Like, so that's literally, that literally a true story and not enough of an attack on me because it is 100% his happiness angered me. So. <laughs> and not only that, he was trying to make somebody else happy. So he wasn't just happy, self-serving. He, was, he went out of his way to literally play guitar in a freezing rain for an actress who was being abused. Like he was doing like the Lord's work. And I literally, as a piece of shit, miserable a-hole, walk on, no, I didn't meet him yet. And I was like, I was like, I'm gonna beat the shit. Thank God it wasn't under a bridge because I would've got my ass kicked. But, but I'm sorry. And I literally, and but truthfully, as I walked over there, it's it sort of as I got within his, his gravitational pull, I was like, Oh, this is not so bad. It's warm over here. This is nice, man. Well, Miss Marvel better fucking do that because I am literally no interest. Yeah, hopefully you will get under the gravitational pull of Kamala Khan, uh, because I, I and Kamala Harris. So and, yeah, yeah, Kamala, Kamala Harris Khan. Kamala Harris Khan. No, I also love the fact that they do that joke in the move or in the fucking preview where we keep fucking it up. Uh, I look. I think obviously they've changed her power set. I wonder if it's going to balance out. I wonder if those are the the, the um, cosmic bands or, or quantum bands or whatever. Uh, I'm interested to see how that all plays out. I'm interested to see how it touches upon the larger Marvel, uh, you know, world. But more importantly, it looks fun. She looks adorable. She looks charming. She it looks like just a blast to be had, and it looks different than anything else we've seen uh and so I, yeah i'm here for it i'm plus it's marvel i'm already gonna be in yeah i mean I, it's it's unfair they have my money i just i get it i'm gonna watch it i just i have i literally i just don't want to watch i don't want to watch it don't watch you know, it. he did the same thing for boba fett because he was all on board with boba fett watching it and then the young kid showed up on the colorful bikes and he's like this fucking show oh my gosh i hate those kids in the it's like a cartoon now. It Who wants to like watch Star that? Wars, though. It, they, didn't, they did not feel like it was like Power Rangers. You realize oh. the first Star Wars movie is about an eighteen-year-old boy whining the entire time. Like that's the Rob's like he goes. But, to at, but back then, he's I like, was "Where are all these world. kids here?" But back then, I was eleven years old, so it was okay. Perspective, man. Perspective. <laughs> I tried oh. to watch Home Alone, but this kid wouldn't shut up in the movie. <laughs> 
I can't exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, Miss yeah. Marvel! I can't. Yeah. I, I can't wait. I mean, that was your best review yet, Rob. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Brought, brought my A game. You just want to watch the Moon Knight where everybody just beats the hell out of each other for oh, 30 God. minutes straight, right? Hopefully, it's a bunch of kids in there just beating the shit out of kids. All <laughs> Moon Knight, Moon Knight beats the piss out of Kamala Khan. <laughs> Kamala. Uh, Kamala. <laughs> Moon Knight, the worst babysitter ever. Uh, um, <laughs> Fuck yeah. Cool. Well, then uh, that's all the previews we're going to talk about this week. But we do have two sad passings to report. Uh, first is the legendary actor who's been in everything in the world, an MCU actor, uh, Big Easy. That's William Hurt, uh, unfortunately, passed away. Um, what an honor uh, it was to see him on screen. And Prago actually had the uh, honor of working with William Hurt. So, so fortunate, you know, later in his life, this was, you know, for Black Widow, this wasn't that long ago. And, you know, at the time, and I would be NDA stance, he was, he was a bit frail and you could tell there was, he, he was, he was fighting stuff too, but he was so kind and so nice yet so serious. Like, you know, when he wasn't, when, when he was on set and just not shooting and talking, he was gentle and engaged and interested and caring. And when he, when he was the principal character on set shooting, he was ferocious, man. He was, I mean, it was questions to come here. He let nothing slide by. He was an unbelievable, ju just as far as a role model to watch behavior on set and don't let anything slide by. I just, I got as close as I could to listen to him just constantly question the other actors he was shooting with and the director when things weren't making sense. He was like, this doesn't make sense. Why would we? And they were, you're right. And he, he literally micromanaged to make sure everything made sense to him in the story. And again, it, it was just kind and he was cool. And it's it some strange stories we'll get into down the road, but just craziness on the set. But um, again, 71 years old, way too young. Just way too young. awful. Fuck cancer. And then um, the other one that we lost is, uh, you know, we hinted at at the top of the show, a huge influence on my life as a child. I loved watching uh, that Scott Hall uh, is better known to my generation as a, one of the outsiders or Razor Ramon, a uh, professional wrestler, died far too young, had had a, a troubled and difficult life, but still was an amazing performer and entertainer that did know how to create characters that were lasting. I, I think about the persona that he you know, portrayed in wrestling and, and it's so concrete in my mind who that character was, what he wanted at all times, how he could just walk into a ring and completely captivate your attention. Um, yeah, but both of those men, monumental figures in entertainment in their respective uh, different ways. And uh, we send our love and our thoughts to the families and uh, all those mourning them. Um, but yeah, but that's, uh, that's the show for this uh, week or whenever, I say week. We don't do this show weekly. What the fuck am I talking about? Uh, Chad. Nobody wants to hear us weekly. No, God. Every, every couple of weeks, 10, 12 days. We're good. Yeah. Uh, Chad, anything else for you? Uh, where can people find you? Uh, nothing else. You can find me on Twitter, Chad129X, and the podcast NQC podcast on Twitter. Awesome. Rob, what about you? I got a new Facebook page. Anybody on Facebook can catch me on Facebook. I got an Instagram page with about 12 pictures. It's mostly kids. Uh, I'm not sure what my name on there is. Uh, Twitter, I'm at Rob Pralgo. Uh, reach out to us. Say hello. Leave a comment. 
yeah. subscribe, share, all that, that shit. Is that what they say? Yeah. And, and if you uh, if you want to reach out to me, just make sure you uh, send your best recommendations of film starring youth actors uh, to Rob Prago's Instagram. Thank you so much. Uh, and we will catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace. Not Quite Cool is a podcast recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, in conjunction with Actors Teaching Actors and Bean Dip Productions.